Warning. Anime Out of Context contains spoilers, explicit language, and general tomfoolery. Neither of our hosts are experts on any topic, and you should not take their opinions as such. Listen at your own discretion, and enjoy. It was several days after Christmas, and trapped in his cage, the editor was fuming in an impotent rage. Sean's episode notes were up on the screen, and the editor was praying that this was some kind of dream. This is our Christmas special, you ginger little twit. Are you trying to kill me, you smug little shit? Sword Art Online, the monitor reflected. The thought of that show left the editor dejected. Rem's going to kill us, he cried out in despair. And what about me? This is no fair! The editor called Sean in a fit, his eyes drenched in tears. The madman's loud cackling confirmed all of his fears. And now, here I am, a victim of this crime, presenting to you Sword Art Online. Context, the show where I attempt to explain the sometimes weird, sometimes wonderful, but always hilarious world of anime. And I say bah humbug to the Christmas season as I face the ghosts of anime present, anime future, and anime past. I'm Sean Rollins. I'm Remington Chase. It is the Christmas season again, yeah. I've never been less excited for Christmas. Remington, this is the holiday season. It's a season of giving, of... Spending time with friends and family, eating delicious meals. How could you not be excited about that? Because when I'm spending time with my friend, what they give me is torturous anime, Sean. Well, I feel like that friend is just trying to provide a fun and entertaining environment for several dozen people. Yeah, but one of those dozens of people ain't me. I mean, it is you sometimes. Look at the last anime we talked about, Remington. It was easily one of the best things we've ever watched on the show, and possibly one of the best movies you've ever seen. And after the highest highs come the lowest lows, Sean. Now, by that logic, we've already done that, because the anime before that was Monster Musume, which was one oh. of the lowest lows you've ever been to. You take me on a roller coaster these past couple weeks, so I am a bit flustered, a bit tilted. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what you're going to throw at me. For our Christmas special. You really think I would take you to such a high point and bring you all the way back down to the very bottom of the abyss? Hell yes you would! You don't care about my well-being for this podcast, Sean! Of course I do, Remington, because if you weren't around, I wouldn't have a podcast. Oh, okay. What are we doing? What are we jumping into? How are we celebrating Christmas? Well, I figured I'd do something that I haven't done too recently, is... Do some teaching for you, my bud. Oh, teaching. Okay, it's been a while since I properly learned some stuff. Yeah, and I figured I'd talk about, what else, Christmas in Japan and in anime. Oh, okay, okay, that's actually culturally interesting. Right? Uh, because as Americans, Christmas is, well, let's be honest, it's a capitalist dream come true. Damn right it is. And especially in all the other countries that have a bit of a Christian foundation, because it is primarily a religious holiday for a lot of people. Jesus and commercialization, that's America. <laughs> the sad thing is, is you're not wrong. <laughs> so, not... so how does Japan celebrate this super American holiday? <laughs> <laughs> 
So the interesting thing about Christmas in Japan is that it is not so much a uh, religious holiday. I mean, there are there is there is a Christian following in Japan, but it's not you know as massive as it is in Western states. You of know? course, because well, it's about as far from west as you can get. It is literally the very far east. <laughs> so. They don't focus on the more spiritual sides of things, so I imagine they would focus more on both the family and also the gifts, perhaps. Uh, you are correct, but it's not so much family as much as it is friends and romance. Oh. For, uh, for Japan, it's a very romantic holiday. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's been celebrated as a very popular holiday for many, many years. Because, you know, it's Christmas. It's a big national holiday. Loads of people celebrate it. But it's really about romance and presents and friends. Okay. Which romance, is... romance can be acceptable so long mm. as they're not going to be related. Yeah, because it's about spreading happiness, Remington. Not so much heavy religious themes. I mean, there's probably one or two that do, but overall spreading happiness. Because, funnily enough, Christmas Day is not considered a work-free holiday in Japan. Okay. It's still a holiday, but it's still just a general work day. What gets really celebrated is actually Christmas Eve. Okay. The popular thing to do in Japan is to take out your romantic partner to a fancy restaurant on Christmas Eve and share a lovely meal and exchange gifts and have a really heartfelt romantic experience. So if you were to go to Japan on Christmas Eve and try and get a restaurant uh, reservation in the evening, it... It'd be incredibly difficult and not likely to happen. So what you're telling me is that to celebrate our Christmas special of anime out of context, you have gotten you and I reservations for a popular restaurant in town. Oh, Sean, you shouldn't have. Oh, Remington, I, if I had money, <laughs> I would definitely take you out to a lovely meal. And I might do, which to be fair... In our many years of friendship, I've spent more on you than all of my exes combined. <laughs> I am the best waifu. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Remington is my waifu. I'm getting that on a t-shirt, man. That is going to be a t-shirt. You, uh, you have your Harry Potter is my favorite anime t-shirt. I need Remington is my waifu on go. a t-shirt. There we go. We're going to make it. We're going to have a merch line. It's going to be great. I, I don't know how I would feel about people wearing Remington is my waifu. I don't, that's, oh, that could get weird for me real quick. It could, but if I be... If I ever met somebody wearing a Remington is my waifu shirt, how would I, how am I supposed to respond to that? You say, wow, you must really like Remington rifles. <laughs> Or Remington hair care products. You're a big fan of Remington typewriters, ain't you? Perhaps you're really into the great 20th century hit Remington Steel. <laughs> With Remington Steel is my favorite anime. Oh, God. I feel like you just aged us even more with that. <laughs> they were before both of our time. Yeah, but the fact that we even know about it kind of gives us a, a certain time frame. If they compile all of our references <laughs> and jokes, they're going to be like, these guys are exactly this old. And no, they're going to think we're 10 years older than we are with the jokes that we make. You know what? You're probably right. <laughs> so it's all about the romance, the happiness, 
that sense of being together and sharing. That seems very wholesome, very positive. I like that. Yeah, and I mean, it is about giving gifts and such because it's Christmas. Christmas is about presents in a lot of ways, no matter what the uh, Christmas movies tell you. Of course. Uh, And another interesting thing is uh, there are two very traditional foods that are eaten around Christmas Eve and Christmas in Japan. Uh, One of them is Christmas cake. Is it fruit cake? No, it's just a really nice cake. Okay, I like cake. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know how on Thanksgiving you're like, oh, you can't have Thanksgiving without a turkey or a ham? Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, oh, it's Christmas, you have to have some Christmas cake. Okay, sure, I'll accept that. And the other thing is, believe it or not, fried chicken. What? <laughs> yeah, no, fried chicken in Japan around Christmas time is a very popular uh, food item. Wh- why? Honestly, I'm not entirely certain. Uh... If somebody can explain to us the fried chicken phenomena, do send us an email. Genuinely, I want to learn more about this. Oh, you know what? I just pulled it up, and it actually has to do with a advertisement campaign in 1974 uh, called Kentucky for Christmas. So Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yes. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken is a uh, very popular restaurant this time of year in Japan. Uh, oh, my God. And the campaign was just called Kentucky for Christmas or uh, Christmasu ni wa Kentucky. <laughs> Which is such a popular thing that it has become a staple Christmas food in Japan. What the fuck are you telling me, Todd? <laughs> Fried chicken is a popular Christmas food, Remington. What are you not getting about this? There's just something so absurd about everything you've said. Oh, Japan, you're different. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of these days we are going to go to Japan, you and me, Remington, and we're going to experience all this stuff firsthand. I'm not ready. (laughs) Maybe we'll go around Christmas time and get you some of that Christmas KFC. Oh, perfect. So with all that being said, I I, I, I feel like I have a basic understanding of of Christmas in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine we're going to be watching a very Christmassy anime? A little bit. Um, so when it comes to Christmas in anime in particular, you have to understand the uh, implications of Christmas as a whole culturally in Japan, which I've explained to you. Uh, so in a lot of animes, there will be Christmas episodes, believe it or not. Okay. Like, uh, just a little episode aside that's set at Christmas time. Might be interesting for some slice of life characters to go together and see how the Christmas holidays affects their interactions, or it might be a more dramatic thing where, oh, it's Christmas time, and you know, I want to spend it with this person, so all the drama and excitement that comes from that, or maybe an apocalypse scenario, a Christmas day happens, and they try to, you know, it's your typical Christmas story, man. Yeah, you know, I have found that a lot of Christmas episodes are just really good and emotional, and they can be fun and enjoyable. On average, Christmas episodes are definitely top tier. Mm-hmm. And so, what does this mean for the anime we're getting to this week? Well, Remington, believe it or not, there are actually... Some anime series that are entirely about Christmas. Okay. Yeah, like, the whole premise starts with uh, Christmas, and we'll either go throughout the entire holiday season, or 
uh, the results of a One Christmas Day, which I found really interesting in researching some of these because there were some I hadn't seen before. None, no, a lot of them aren't the best thing ever because, you know, it's kind of hard to have a whole 13-plus episode series on Christmas alone. Uh -huh. But it is possible. And I was watching them and researching them, and I thought to myself, wow, this is really interesting. But I don't think I want to do one of those this year. Okay, so, so I, we're not doing a Christmas anime. No, not a full Christmas anime. I want to <laughs> save those for the future, just because it's an interest, it was an interesting experience, to say the least, and I feel like it would be great to cover in the future. Okay. And, so instead, we're doing an anime that has a Christmas episode uh, pretty early on, which is uh, I felt would be necessary. Okay. Because so, we have to do something remotely related to Christmas, right? Of course. So tell me a little bit about whatever anime you have selected. Well, Remington, it's a very interesting anime for me because it was recommended to us uh, by our good friend Joel. Okay, good old Joel. Yep, uh, he's sent in several things before. In fact, one of the anime that you really enjoyed being Death Note. Hey, yeah! So, you know he is looking out for your better interests. Uh, the anime that we're doing has its Christmas episode actually at episode 3. Okay, perfect! Which is honestly kind of early, but, you know, it is possible to have a good emotional attachment to characters by episode 3. Uh, so anime, uh, hmm, so anime. That's you now. You are anime, Remington. <laughs> I have become the anime. <laughs> yes. Luke, I am your waifu. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, that needs to go on a t-shirt now. Oh my god. Okay, uh, continue. Yeah, and this anime is quite popular, I'll be honest. Which, you know, that usually worries you. It does, John. But you don't have to worry too much, because this anime is uh, one of the higher rated ones. It actually has a rating of about 7.59 on now, which is pretty high. That means nothing to me. The fans of anime are a fickle sort who like many awful things. Uh, and we're actually going to talk about a genre that we haven't really properly discussed before. We've done an episode on the genre, but it hasn't been uh, too uh, delved into because it was rather early on for us. We're going to talk about something called Isekai. Isekai. Yes. I have no idea what that is. Well, uh, Sekai, uh, Sekai, I believe, is the proper pronunciation. I'm not Japanese. Uh, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm, I'm doing the Duolingo thing. I'm trying to figure it out. But uh, 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 Sekai is the Japanese word for the world. Okay, the world. So Isekai is another world. Okay, so... Nope, I'm still not sure where this would go like maybe some weird magical girl type thing i'm not sure uh honestly it's a pretty broad idea the idea of an isekai anime is you have a main character and they are transported to another world sword art online yes a lot like sword art online oh god that's not a bad thing because the idea of a character being plucked out of their modern life and thrown into an entirely different world is a very interesting concept that has been done in western media and is incredibly popular especially today in japan Okay. <laughs> Why are you so nervous, Remington? Because Sword Art Online. What was so bad about Sword Art Online, Remington? It exists. It exists. You got to do better than that, man. It exists poorly. <laughs> <laughs> so today I thought we'd dive into another isekai anime uh, to just kind of broaden our horizons because there are so many out there and there are some really good ones and some really atrocious ones. 
Uh, but today, I thought I'd talk about one that is a little complicated for me. Um, okay. So, Remington, you've known me for a long time, right? Yep. Uh, what is one thing, aside from anime, that I really, really enjoy? Uh, nerdy bullcrap, so Overwatch and D&D. <laughs> Alright, uh, and what is Overwatch? Uh, Overwatch is uh, a video game with a bunch of different characters all being brought together, and it's a first-person shooter deal along the lines of Team Fortress 2. Mm-hmm. And video games are a big part of my life, right? Yep. So today, Remington, for our Christmas special, I figured... We should watch an anime that had a Christmas special, but honestly, Christmas special in this anime is not good, so I figured we'd just skip it entirely. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, but there is a good reason for that. <laughs> what? It's because, Remington, you've already seen the Christmas episode. Oh, Sean, no. We've had a request, Remington. Oh, Sean, dear God, no. And it is the holidays, so we have to give people presents. Sean, dear God, please, no. And we've left something... Unfinished. It's been a long time, Remington. Motherfucker. <laughs> it's been since the beginning of our podcast. In episode two, we discussed everybody's favorite anime to hate, Sword Art Online. God damn you! <laughs> And I figured, in the spirit of the holiday, since it had a Christmas episode, it fit perfectly, we should finish what we've started. I don't wanna. What do you remember about Sword Art Online, Remington? I remember that it was, first of all, a glorified harem anime where every couple episodes he meets a new girl that falls in love with him and is slightly different, even though he has absolutely no personality because he's the black swordsman. Look how mysterious and edgy he is. And then he eventually gets married to one of them, even though they also didn't have much of a personality at all. And the conflicts were contrived, and a lot of the characters, which had potential to be interesting, ended up fading away, including the best friend character. The world was supposed to be very interesting but every time it would try for world building it would fail or contradict itself or it would add new rules where they have never mentioned them before or it would contradict the previous rules that it's made and then at the very end it had no explanation for any of the plot having the very very infamous words why did i do this i forgot myself which pissed me off Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and by the end of that 14-episode stretch, Remington, they get out of the game. But the thing is, is that was not the end of the show. There was still more after that. If I remember, you said that it was, like, the first half of a season, which was really weird to me because it was the full arc. They're going to end up going back for some reason, and it's going to be really dumb. It might be. Oh, fuck. So I figured what we should do, Remington, because it's the holidays and because it's something that we haven't discussed much lately. And I mentioned in episode two, it's important to understand Sword Art Online because, of one, it was incredibly popular, loved by many, and it's still loved by a lot of people, which, again, not a lot of people have given us any information on to why they love it so much. Uh, aside from the idea, of course, of a power fantasy, which, let's be honest, that's what it is. But also because it is also universally one of the most hated popular anime. 
just because of how popular it is and you and I understand it's bad and so do so many others and we like to harp on why it's bad. So as anime reviewers, which we both are, we kind of have to understand Sword Art a little more. I hate everything you've done. Look, Remington, I said I wasn't going to drag you back to the very bottom of the abyss. You're coming pretty fucking close. Yeah, I think you rated Sword Art Online pretty uh, high in the abyss rank of things. It was like number eight, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was high in the abyss ranks, but it's still in the abyss ranks. Yeah. You didn't actually think I was going to give you something really good after your name, did you? Oh, let's get this over with. But before we go, Remington, <sighs> one thing you need to know is the plot synopsis so far is they get out of the game, and from this point onward, for some reason, some people did not wake up from the simulation. Fuck this shit. And that's where the mystery comes in, and... We're going to find out the solution of that mystery today. You know why? Why? Because we're finishing the first season today, Remington. Fuck you. <laughs> he just left the studio. Oh. oh. He is upset, but that's fine. Let's go watch some Sword Art Online. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are back after consuming the entirety of the first season of Sword Art Online, starting from episode 15 all the way to episode 25. So, Remington, this is a Christmas present to our audience, and how does that make you feel? Christmas is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Go four days back, return all of your gifts that you got four days ago, it's canceled. It's canceled retrospectively. It's gone. It's done. It's over. You're demolishing an entire holiday celebration. A celebration of love, of friendship, of gift giving, all because of a bad anime? You know, I felt very optimistic about humanity for most of my life, but humanity is responsible for anime, and it's responsible for Sword Art Online, so I don't think humanity deserves happiness anymore. I don't think you can blame humanity as a whole for one bad show, Remington. Mmm, I'm gonna sure try. <laughs> uh, but Remington, this is one of the most popular shows of the uh, early 2010 era. Uh, it came out in 2012 and ran from summer all the way to uh, the middle of winter, if I'm not mistaken. Which, by the way, is a little weird, considering that their Christmas episode was in the middle of July. But that's yeah, besides but the point. Yeah, but then it got snowy again at the end, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So time was a bit weird. And I did say that the first part of this uh, season was unironically the better part of the two. Unfortunately, you were correct. The first arc was better than whatever piece of shit we just saw now. And... As I'm sure most of your listeners who have heard the first the first part of our Sword Art Chronicles know, I hated that. Yeah, as you should, because uh, it is unapologetically kind of a horrible show. In fact, it is a horrible show. And I'm still trying to figure out how so many people love it to death, like to the point of cosplaying as well as merch, as well as the fact that it's still ongoing, Remington. 
Oh my god. The third season is going on right now and they actually <laughs> season. Yeah, and they actually um had a bit in it where Okay, so in the sh- in the second season, there's a lot of really creepy, dark, uh, not good dark, uh, just rapey overtones. But in the third season, there's one, they actually put a disclaimer in front of one of the episodes saying viewer discretion is advised. Which, after watching the second season, makes you wonder what that one is like. And we might have to get, uh, excuse me, the first, the second half of the first season, because that's hard to distinguish. Of course. It's it's very unfortunate, but that's a talk for another day. I'm trying to figure out where you're feeling right now, Remington, because obviously you hated it with a passion, more so than previously. But now that you have seen the entirety of the first season of this unfortunately beloved anime, where do you stand as a person? Sean? Yeah? This is going to be a very rant-heavy second half of the podcast episode. To be fair, our last two episodes were very rant-heavy as well, but for different reasons. Oh, and just you wait, bucko, because I got a lot to say about the 11 episodes you made me watch. Which is a bit of an interesting question to bring up, Remington, because usually you uh, will have me invoke my bullshit rule for over three to five episodes, and I was wondering if you'd make me do that for this one. I'd be fine if you did, because I had to show this to you. I had to. It was part of your induction into the anime review community, because you have to understand the anomaly that is Sword Art Online. You know what? I'll I'll decide that a bit later. Maybe at the end of the episode, I'll make a decision whether that is part of the Sean Bullshit rule or whether that is a part of the revisiting rule where you can invoke the Sean Bullshit rule without invoking the Sean Bullshit rule. I'll decide that at the end. Right now, I just want to tear into this piece of garbage. Oh, I can't wait to see where this is going. Let's start from the beginning, then. We start off a few months after the events of Sword Art Online. Kirito, or as he is actually known, his real name, Kirigaya Kazuto. Kirito. uh, It's just Kirito. It's easier, and you're not going to remember anything else is up and around. He has done some physical therapy. He's not quite in top form, but he's getting there. And he's just kind of trying to get his life back in order. Uh, We're introduced to his sister. And unfortunately, the big plot for this anime is that Asuna is still asleep in the nerve gear. Yeah, so with the very beginning, one of the things that's super duper annoying is how everything he does, every minute... He totally has that Kuroko no basket, haha, get it syndrome, but this time it's haha, I was a swordsman, get it? I was a swordsman. I mean, Sword Art Online, I was a swordsman. I'm really good with the sword. I don't know if you're aware, but I had a sword and I was really talented with a sword. Guys, do you get my unique style with the sword? I was great with the sword, ha, get it? What was he good with again? He was good with the sword, Sean, amazingly enough. I would never would have guessed that. I know, they was real subtle. Genuinely, every 60 seconds, it would reference it at least once. It would insert it as if somehow you could forget. But Kirito, one of the original bland bitch protagonists we ever had and still one of the most prominent, he is just a true self-insert character, and that is shown all the way through the first and especially the second arc. To a ludicrous degree, he is the badass, the white knight, he is the romantic, he's the edgy fuck, he's borderline emo and gothic, he is just so irritating in every single way, and he is 
a power fantasy driven to no other. Nonetheless, continuing on, eventually, Kirito decides to visit Asuna. Yes. After all, she is still unconscious, and being the devoted husband, boyfriend, fuck buddy... Person she's never met. Well, she's technically met him. They spent two years together. I guess. Uh, but, you know, it's not like your online friends can be different than your IRL friends at all. Yeah, especially when you meet them and they have literal superpowers that don't carry into real life. But at any rate, he goes to visit Asuna, and she is still comatose. And that's supposed to be very sad, very emotional. But then something, uh, for lack of a better word, plot driving happens. Uh, we get introduced to Asuna's father very briefly, saying, Oh, glad you're here. Uh, she enjoys it when you're here. You know, like you talk about people who can't hear you or understand you, and you assume that they enjoy something, even yeah, if he, they don't. He... The father doesn't matter. Yes, and then is we are introduced to the potential main villain of the story, uh, Sugo. Yeah, so Sugo, he briefly mentions how him and Asuna are getting married, and Kirito is like, what? That doesn't sound like good news at all because she's my waifu. And so there's a lot of confusion abound. And then instead of it being at all nuanced, or detailed, or, or anything but a terrible cliche. No, Sugo is just this insane evil pervert who knows that she hates him, but this is his way to marry her because she can't say no right now because she's in a coma. So in one week, he's going to marry her, and then he's going to get his grubby hands all over her, and he's sniffing her hair, and he's rubbing his finger on her lips and being a general creep because there is no nuance. There's no gray area. If somebody is a bad they are exclusively evil, bad, and have every negative quality one could possibly ascribe to a person. But Remington, he is a bad person, and you're supposed to hate him. And you are! But it's almost like, I don't know, your villains should have strong motivations. They should be well-fleshed characters in their own right. Not every single character has to be a caricature or a cliché, because that shows a lack of creativity, innovation, and world-building. Any depth within this show has been demolished. Any novelty in this show has been slaughtered. And that is so well shown with Sugo. But Remington, at least he's not just going to say at the end, I don't remember the reason why. He has a clear reason. He wants to marry Asuna for perverted reasons as well as monetary reasons. He likes tits and cash. Cool a motivation, at least. It's something, I guess. <laughs> so then, Kirito... Gets, he gets an email, he gets a message, right? And this message has a certain picture, Sean. Oh, yes. It has a very pixelated picture of a birdcage with a fairy-looking thing in it that looks vaguely like Asuna or literally any other character with brown hair and happened to be female in Japanese. And Kirito is all in on that. He's like, it's Asuna. Oh, my God. It's a really pixelated version of Asuna that sort of looks like Bigfoot. I'm sold. What if it actually was Bigfoot that he went and tried to rescue? This would be such a better anime. Like, he gets to the cage. We haven't seen Asuna for a while. Opens the door, and it's just fucking Bigfoot. Walking around there with, like, the moe twinkle in his eye. Some sparkles flying yeah. around him and just going, like, 
Kiritokun. <laughs> I want Bigfoot to be in this anime. I want Bigfoot the magical girl anime. Bigfoot is my waifu. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be amazing. But unfortunately, no, it's immediately proven to be Asuna because Kirito goes to a bartender, which is the shopkeeper from the first arc, the big, bulky, bald guy. That would be Eagle. Good old Eagle. And he goes and he talks to him, and uh, Eagle is like, hey, here are the pictures. And Kirito's like, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, no, it's a new game. A new game, you say? Even after the catastrophic incident that cost the lives of several thousand people, they're still making virtual reality games? Amazingly, Sean, in the world of virtual reality MMORPGs in this world of Sword Art Online, amidst this terrible tragedy that was happening of Sword Art Online, where a hundred thousand, or hundreds of thousands, rather, of individuals were stuck in comatose states, risking their lives, and hundreds of them dying from this terrible MMORPG. At the same time, using the exact same technology, another RPG was very successful. Yeah, yeah, no, because the weird thing is, is the original company and owner of Sword Art Online went bankrupt due to all of the lawsuits and such. But rather than the government taking control of this horrible scenario, another company just buys them and takes the servers and runs the maintenance on them. And amazingly, everybody is okay with this! Nobody is like, huh, maybe we should really analyze the technology with the nerve gear or these ideas with these virtual reality MMORPGs since it's been shown how destructive they can possibly be. Maybe we should do some research before we- no, everyone just buys a copy. Yeah, uh, to be fair, they added a new, basically the next generation of the uh, Amusphere console, uh, which is, oddly enough, quite kind of a big step. Before, it was a oh, complete head-covering helmet that you could kind of believe, okay, yeah, that could probably intercept brain signals because it's actually covering the entirety of the head. But the new thing is like a Cyclops or Geordi LaForge-style visor that just goes around the eyes and back of the head, which also has none of the flaws of the... Of the, uh, uh, Nerve Gear. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Nerve Gear. The new one is the Atmosphere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, convoluted jargon. And then, uh, in Season 2, they actually introduce it, and it's even simpler, and it's called Google Glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that joke is dated. That's like a five-year-old joke, man. Maybe even long... What was Google Glass a thing? I can't remember, because it never really became a thing. It didn't succeed. Which is Neither unfortunate. should of this show. No. So, eventually, they learn that this is the exact same as Sword Art Online, but fairies. So, it turns out the company that purchases Sword Art Online and all the servers made a new game using all the data from Sword Art Online, basically. And the way that it's described to Kirito is that it's very similar to Sword Art Online, but you don't have sword skills. Instead, you have magic, which is fucking bullshit. But Remington, they didn't use any of the pre-recorded sword skills that make your sword glow and you can guide it in a uh, specific pattern. No! However... They definitely had glowy sword abilities that they used, and they used their weapons far more than they used their magic. But we'll get into that 
more into just a moment. I feel like this is going to be a long episode, Remington. Oh, Sean, I got a lot of ranting. Yeah, that's uh, you have a little notebook there, and I, how many pages did you fill out? Too many. Oh, God, yeah. In fact, that thing's almost full from what I can tell. All right, so they get into this world because, of course, Kirito doesn't give a crap about his own well-being. He has a week before Asuna gets married, and he has to save her, and she might be in this world. So he goes, he jumps in immediately, and then there's sort of a weird glitch that happens. Don't worry about it. So instead of being in the main world, which uh, he would be a Spriggan, that's the one he chose. Do you know why he chose a Spriggan, Sean? Uh, because the color associated with them is, uh, what was it again, uh, black? Oh, it's black, and he's, he's black, he's a swordsman, he's the black swordsman getting because he was a swordsman, because he's a black swordsman, because he's really good with the sword. I don't know if you know this, but he's good with the sword, Sean. He's not the black swordsman, though. That's a different anime character, and the fact that Reki Karahara thought it was appropriate to call him the black swordsman in comparison to this other character, which you haven't met yet, and you will at some point. I don't know if you'll like him or not, because it's... Well, you probably won't like him, but to be fair, <laughs> he's way better than Kirito. So yeah, no, Black Swordsman, not his title. Just call him Kirito, it's just inappropriate at this point. And so Kirito, he gets stranded in the middle of the woods, and then one of the most annoying things, well first the really annoying thing is that Yui is back. If you remember Yui, she's back, she's irrelevant as ever, don't worry about her, but she's back and annoying. But then the most annoying thing about this entire thing... He gets in a fight, and he's kept all of his stats from Sword Art Online. He's just kept them. We don't get to see that growth. You'll recall we didn't get to see that growth in the first arc either. And now we still don't get to see any growth in this new MMORPG because he just has all of his Sword Art Online stats. Don't worry about it. So the entire second arc, any battle that he gets in, it's the exact same as the first arc. It immediately ends in his victory there is no conflict there is no tension just like this arc there is one battle which he sort of loses but then it's all fine immediately after and that's it every other battle it is a piece of cake and these aren't interesting action sequences either these are worthless action sequences there is nothing inspired about any of them he just slices through all of his enemies who've been playing this game for a goddamn year, and he defeats them with ease. But Remington, he was trapped in a very similar game for two years. But why couldn't you just make it so his stats didn't go to this game, which it never really explains why they did. It's just a glitch. Don't worry about it. They did explain it, kind of, not really. Basically, Yui, which is... The, the MacGuffin-y exposition bot is what she is. She's an exposition bot. That's all she's good for. And to make you uncomfortable with her saying mama and papa all the time. Yeah, she's AI, but really she's just literally magic. She's discount data. Yeah, and so she's just helping him learn everything about everything. And she says that this game is just a copy of the Sword Art Online servers and that he still has his data because he's using his original Nerf gear. Which doesn't really work, but okay. And so he gets in a fight with these really tough guys because they're trying to attack a girl and you know Kirito and his White Knight Syndrome. And so he immediately wipes them the fuck out. And she's like, oh man, you rescued me. So what are we going to do? Are you going to try and kill me? Are we going to fight? Are we going to go together? Are we going to go our separate ways? And he's like, oh, we're not going to fight. You're a lady. 
Oh, but he said just kidding after that, so clearly he's trying to be funny and, you know, uh, clever. Yeah, he's not very clever or funny. This whole arc had one slightly humorous moment, and I'll mention it when we get there. And I want our listeners to feel anticipation for when we get there so that they will be disappointed when they hear what this one humorous moment in the entire second arc was. To be fair, Remington, we had another time where we bust out laughing, but not for any purposeful (laughs) reason. It's just what we came up with. (laughs) Yeah, we'll mention that when we get there as well. Okay, so... We're in the scenario where Kirito knows Asuna is in this game, or at least he believes she is because of the buggy pictures. He's in this new game. He meets this new character who offers to show him around as a thank you and whatnot. And so they do show him around, and they are a sylph, which is a more healing fairy, and he's a spriggan, which is an illusion fairy, but not at all an illusion fairy. Don't worry about the illusion fairy. There are no illusions. He can just do whatever he wants, but only once! We'll get to that, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Oh, and just so you know, Remington, the uh, sylphs are the green fairies. (laughs) Oh, yes, they're, they're green. Their healers get it. It's really easy, real simple to know. And so she shows him around, and you realize very quickly that she's obviously crushing on him. And then you get a nice little reveal. Yes, remember that sister character that I briefly mentioned? So she is one of the biggest plot points in this entire arc, because uh, Kirito has a little sister. It was mentioned briefly in the very first part of the season, uh, during the episode with the dragon tamer girl who reminded him of his sister, which, after watching this part of the series, you start to think to yourself, they are nothing alike. Nope, not at all. Um, and the entire series opens up with uh, trying to set up their relationship between each other, their brother-sister relationship, which is uh, not very brother-sister-like to begin with. Yeah, no, Sean, as soon as the sister was introduced, within ten seconds of this second arc, I wrote down a small note. What was that note? In all caps, no sister fucking. (laughs) You know what? That's fair. I can understand why you wrote that. And by now, listeners, you should have an idea of where this is going. Because this character, Leafa, as it were, because she's a green fairy. Get it? Do you get it, Leafa? Because she's a green fairy. Do you get it? That's actually Sugua. It's her. It's it's his sister. Oh no! His sister has fallen in love with him. But then, don't you worry, because they quickly tell you and assure you, they're not actually brother and sister, guys. Yes, because actually, uh, Kirito is the cousin of Suguha and his aunt, who he's been living with as an older brother this whole time, because apparently his parents died uh, at a very young age, which you think that'd be an interesting point to talk about, but it's just mentioned casually, just to clarify the fact that Suguha is only his cousin. But that's still pretty damn close to being related. Yeah, it's definitely not acceptable in any way, as well as the fact that neither of them talk about this new uh, Alfheim world. None of them talked about it. Kirito has never mentioned that his online name is Kirito, and he uses the same name despite the evil villain knowing that's his name. They're never talking about how they're joined together in Alfheim, so they just never comes up, and it hasn't come up in the entire six months that Kirito has been out of his goddamn coma. 
Yeah, because he never talked about anything related to the to the SAO incident. He just said that it was a thing. He fell in love with a girl. She's still asleep, and he still loves that girl. Uh, and it was traumatizing, I guess. We don't really know exactly how he feels because he's a bland, rich protagonist. Yeah, don't worry about that. And then it cuts over to the birdcage with Asuna, and it is indeed Asuna. And then we see the Fairy King Oberon, which is just the super creepy, skeevy as shit Sojo. Sugo. Sugo. Ah, these names. Which is hilarious because the main bad guy is called Sugo, Whereas the sister character who's supposed to be a good guy is Sugu Ha. Yeah, it's really not good in any way. It gets really confusing. Mm -hmm. And so then he tries to sort of rape her. It wasn't so much tries to rape her. All he does is he goes up to her and says, well, first he reveals his big evil plan from the get-go, which, okay. That was prompted. Yep. Now we know exactly what he's trying to do for the rest of the... This is episode three or two, I believe, at this point. So it's like... Yeah. Eh. And his plan, just like I said, he wants titties and money. Yep. And after he reveals that, he's like, Oh, I could have taken you any time I've wanted in any fashion I wanted. And just kind of does the weird hair sniffing and face touching thing again. And then says another really creepy line just for creepiness sakes. This is what stuck with me, Remington. I bet it would be fun to force myself upon you. Yeah, which is just not okay. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think that when it comes to different media, topics such as heavy topics like rape, they can be addressed and they can be utilized for strong emotional effect. We saw this within Mirai Nikki, but they did not handle this well because it didn't feel like oh, look at this very necessary and evil action to include in this story, it felt like the creators were fantasizing along with the skeeve ball and that there was a weird amount of borderline fan service in all of these rapey bits that made me feel very uncomfortable. The way they handled it was definitely trying to appeal to people who were into that sort of thing. Yeah, and at the same time, it, I can imagine uh, the author of the series thinking, oh, this will be a p impactful moment that will make people disgusted by the villains and whatnot, which is true. But once you visualize that on screen in a TV series, you have to actually make it seem like a bad thing in all aspects. And it was around this time that I realized that there is no rational discourse in this show. No two characters will ever have a reasonable conversation with one another. It is always sensationalized. There was always misunderstandings. It's always combative. You can never have two individuals who just talk and make sense sense on our down-to-earth and our human. Even the skeeve ball Sugo at one point talks all about the 300 people who never got out of their Sword Art Online comas, and his explanation is that he was just able to catch them and keep them in their Sword Art Online comas. It's not really well explained in any way, and it's terrible, and it's nonsensical, and I hate it, but then we get to a really weird but short bit where we get back to Sugua the sister in real life and she's bathing 
and that's weird because it shows like too much and it's trying to censor by steam but it's still like really uncomfortable and etchy and she's 15 good god a very well endowed 15 year old i might add which not something you like to think about quite frankly Every other shot of this anime is a tit shot, and it'll try and act like it's just trying to do a dramatic, oh, it's cutting off the eyes, or it's focusing on the hands, or it's looking past the tits, but the tits will be the emphasis in every other frame. It's ridiculous! Yeah, it's something you don't really notice as much in the first arc of Sword Art, uh, because... It did that all the time in the first arc, but it wasn't as prominent. In the second arc, it's known as the titty arc, just because of the fact that Alifa or Sugoha is almost always, you know, chest in frame kind of thing. Sometimes obscuring the main character with the chest. It is absolutely ridiculous. And then, of course, Kirito continues to be an overpowered piece of shit. Sword Art Online continues to be filled with jargon and cliches. And it's super irritating how they just do not care about creating a fully fleshed out world. They say there are nine different fairies. I don't know why they said that. Because we see three of them, I think? Uh, technically, Remington, we see... Four. Uh, not counting the character selection screen because that doesn't count. No, that definitely does not count. You have the black ones, uh, which, by the way, when I say the black ones, I literally just mean their clothing. Because, like, their race is defined by their hair color and their clothing color and some minor features like ears and such. The Spriggans, then you've got the green ones, which are the sylphs. you got the salamanders, which, how is that associated with fairies? Salamanders are either amphibious things or mythical fire-breathing lizards. Uh, which are the red ones. You got the Kate Sith, which are the yellow mm. cat folk ones. You're right, we did see four. And then there was they mentioned the Undine, which are, uh, we saw briefly at the very end of the series, spoiler alert, Kirito wins, duh. Uh, but uh, Asuna is playing as an Undine, which are the blue ones. Oh, so crazy, so wild. Wow, it's a blue one. And at one point, they end up, facing off against some salamanders, and salamanders are after them, and then Kirito uses his illusion magic, because they're in quite a conundrum, so he uses the illusion magic so that he can look like this great evil beast, Sean. Yes, a big callback from the first half of the season, the big scary boss monster that terrified both Kirito and Asuna so much that they ran out of the boss room to get reinforcements and come back and deal with it, and then more tragedy, more people dying, blah, 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 blah. He chose that monster. Reasonable monster to choose, all things character-wise. And it is such a convincing illusion, Sean, because despite, obviously, his opponents would know that he's good at illusion, they fall for it. In fact, it's such a convincing illusion that he just literally is this beast and he mauls them to death. Well, Remington, you could easily explain it as... No, no, that wouldn't work. Fighting inside the loot? No, that wouldn't work either. Because he does actually pick him. Yeah, no, he just turns into a giant demon goat thing. It's just bullcrap attack on Titan, but this time they pretended it was illusion magic. It doesn't make any goddamn sense, and it was only used that one time, which is really weird, because if you can transform into this giant evil demon beast, you'd think you might use that once or twice, but he never does again. 
but Remington, it's just illusion magic. It's not great for combat. <laughs> Which is a line explicitly told to him repeatedly by his sister, who has been playing this game for the better part of a year. Yeah, and apparently Spriggans aren't that popular. Which is definitely a lie, because we know several people that would choose them based purely on the fact that they are the dark, black, clothing-wearing types. Oh, yes. Because the whole point of this entire Alfheim Online game is to reach the center, climb up the world tree, and all the different races are competing against each other. Whichever race wins gets super abilities. It's real neat. They can fly more. Awesome. And so they're all competing, right? Well, now... We learned something very interesting, Sean. You see, the salamanders, they have a plan. What's their plan, Remington? So, whereas the Kate Sifts and then the Sylphs, they're trying to make an alliance, the salamanders, they've been working with one of the Sylphs that we have briefly seen and is supposed to be like a sort of guildmaster type character. And they are going to wipe out all of the Catesifs and Sylphs and get all their loot and experience. And then they're going to be able to go march forward to the world tree. Yeah, that was the plan. And then Kirito and Leafa, they figure out this plan. And so Leafa says to Kirito, you know, you would probably be better able to get to the top of the world tree if... You teamed up with the Salamanders, which makes sense, because I will remind you all, this is a normal game. If you die in this game, you don't actually die. You get respawned. It's a bit of an inconvenience. It's a video game. Yeah, there's a death penalty. It makes sense. You lose some experience, you lose some money, you lose some item. That's fine. Uh, but why not ask the strongest, most well-equipped dudes to give you a hand? And that is a great question, Sean. But do you know what Kirito says to that reasoning? The reasoning that would help him save the woman he loves? The reasoning that, sure, it may not be nice, but it is still just literally a video game. And that is it. It is only a video game. His reasoning is that you become your character. And, Sean, I heard this line, and it really, really resonated with me. You know why? Why is that, Remington? Well, I've been playing Skyrim lately, Sean. You have? And you know, I realized, and you may have noticed this as well, but I really feel like I have been becoming a magical orc, mildly kleptomaniac, obsessed with cabbages and cheese wherever I may find them. That does explain your uh, behavior at the last Christmas party we went to. Because I have become my character, Sean. If you play a certain kind of character, that's just who you are, no matter what, under all circumstances. That's what Kirito says. I feel like you're being sarcastic, Remington. Just a little bit, Sean. <laughs> and this show, make no bones about it, this is the Kirito show. Nothing else matters. This is not a show about the world they're around. This is not a show about the conflict that's around. This is not a show built by the other characters and all of their interconnected relationships about any hijinks, about any ideas or big plans or accomplishing a big goal. This show is all about Kirito and what Kirito does and the battles Kirito is in. Anytime Kirito is the focal point and everyone else is in a significant second place behind him. So what you're saying is the show is about Kirito and it is a power fantasy dedicated to those who want to be in his shoes. 
Oh, yes. And this can be really seen in one of the next scenes where one of the super big bad bosses of the evil salamanders, who you know they're evil because they're red and dark, the big bad salamanders, they are now breaking in to this peace treaty between the sylphs and the kate sifts, and they're about to open up a can of whoop-ass, but then Kirito arrives, and Kirito is going to go one-on-one -on -one with the big salamander baddie. And in typical Kirito fashion, he accepts the challenge, and they get a, we get a little exposition saying, hey, this is probably the strongest player in the game right now. Which, you know, that would have been nice to have some kind of foreshadowing beforehand, but that's fine. Talks about how it'll be near impossible to beat him. Uh, spoiler, Kirito does. And Remington, would you like to hear what is the most bullshit thing about all of the combat in this entire arc? What would that be, Sean? So, saying that Kirito is a good swordsman from all of his time spent in SAO is fine. It's a reasonable thing to assume. It makes it... Logical that he would have a chance against these really powerful guys who have been playing it for only a year. Mildly so, yes. Yes, so the skill kind of transfers a little bit. The one thing that ruins it completely is the fact that there's fucking flight and the third dimension involved. It's an entirely new way of fighting that he has never done, but don't you worry. He's already mastered it. There's magic, which he has not really ever worked with, but everyone else has had access to to practice and train with. But don't worry about it. That's basically an afterthought for the entire second arc. And then, at one point during this battle, when things are looking very, very grim, he gets Leafa's sword. Oh, and he starts dual-wielding. Yeah. Now here's the problem with that, Sean. At the very fucking beginning, it blatantly said as he was looking through his stats and marveling at how they were all identical to his Sword Art Online stats, but a few of them were gone. One of them that was gone was dual wielding stat, because that wasn't a part of the Alfheim Online game. Dual wielding isn't a thing, but here you see him masterfully dual wielding, Sean! But Remington, he has the logical muscle memory from the dual wielding, and as it said in the beginning, it said that there are no sword skills in this uh, particular game, just magic and general swinging swords around. It's fucking nonsensical, and it contradicts itself a million different ways. It wanted to create a different world. It wanted to create a world focused on magic, so you had a bit of a different combat system than what you saw in the first arc, which, once again, wasn't very adequate. But the first arc was probably better than this arc when it comes to battles, and the first arc was terrible with the battles. This arc did nothing with them. It was literally just Kirito cuts it, which is very similar to the first arc, don't get me wrong, but the first arc had like maybe one, two, if you're feeling liberal about your definitions, actual fights. This had no real fights at all, and it was so irritating, so annoying, but, of course, Kirito wins. He saves the day. Everyone is like, oh my gosh, amazing. And then both of the leaders of the Sylphs and the Kate Sifs fall in love with Kirito. Because, of course, they do. Because they have vaginas and Kirito exists. And that's all you need to do to fall in love with Kirito. Because, oh my god, that bland bitch, he's so attractive. I mean, he's so strong. He's got a big sword. If he has such a big sword, you know what that means, Remington? He's compensating for his lack of personality. I was going to say a big hot, but that works too. <laughs> and then, after this, we get a very, very uncomfortable part of the show. Shall we break this part down a bit more thoroughly? Because we kind of glossed over it earlier. 
The relationship between Suguha and Kirito. God, I hate saying that sentence because the word relationship is completely abused here. What ends up happening is what you might expect. They make it to the world tree. They uh, solicit the leaders of the two factions for help. They said it'll take some time to prepare and to just try and hold off until then. They get to the world tree. They immediately go and start hacking away in the middle of the tree itself, trying to beat it, but it's impossible for Kirito to do by himself. Nah, but you skip ahead, Sean. I do. You skip ahead because you skip past the slugs. Oh, no, we're not to the slugs yet, bud. Are we not? No, the slugs are, uh... What bit are you talking about? Well, I skip ahead in Kirito's story. I want to talk about the slugs after we talk about uh, what happens with, uh, with Suguha, because that happens first. All right, we can do that. I know you don't want to, but we have to. Oof. Because the slugs are, unfortunately, a thing. But we'll talk about that in a second. So Suguha, uh, fell in love with her brother, which is... A big no-no. Oh, yes. But, I mean, it's not the strangest thing. It's, ne it's not like something like that has never happened before. It it's a bad thing, don't get me wrong. So what she ends up doing is she goes and visits Asuna in the hospital with him, you know, to see this girl that Kirito is obsessed with. Uh, and at that point, she finally gives up on falling in love with her brother, which is a good sign, but she takes it a little over dramatically, and we're like, eh, we don't care, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to fuck your brother. I've said that several times, and you can quote me on that. Remember in Nakaemo, yeah. where the main character was like, hey, I don't want to bang because I think I might be your brother, and then she was like, get the fuck out. Yes. This is like that, but less extreme. Exactly. And, of course, she's all, oh, well, I'm sad, I'm sad. Goes back to the game, and as Leaf uh, versus Kirito, which Kirito, they don't know they're each other, which is ridiculous, because they sound the same, they look the same, it's, it's beyond ridiculous. Then Leafa does a major taboo. She decides, rather than falling in love with her brother, which is a bad, she falls in love with her brother. Yeah, she falls with her brother online, rather than in person, because she doesn't know it's her brother. And so... They get to the world tree, and they're getting ready to get in there and fight and battle. And then Kirito tells Lifa the real reason why he needs to get up there. He needs to save Asuna. It's a very Batman v. Soup's moment. Uh, that name, why did you say that name? And then Lifa realizes, wait, this man who looks just like my brother is looking for Asuna. My brother was looking for Asuna. What if this character that looks just like my brother and has a name very similar to my brother is my brother? And it is! Yay! Drama, drama, drama. I, I'll be honest, I literally skipped over a good chunk of that because we didn't need to care about it. It was that. all the same! But... Just before that big reveal, the first attempt he makes on the world tree, and he gets his ass kicked because it's a raid, and oh, yeah. no one can solo a raid except for Kirito that one time in the first half of the series, but we're not going to talk about that. They fly up to the tree because Yui detects Asuna's uh, player ID. Oh, yes. And detecting that, she uses her warning system thing, her semi-admin privilege th She's an AI and she has access to something. She uses a warning system, I think is what it was, to try and get a message out to Asuna. Just saying, we're here, we're here. Uh, Asuna, mommy, we're here. Uh, and Asuna hears this and is like, crap, there's got to be something I can do. Something I can do. Luckily, in the scene before this happens, Asuna does the only, one, only thing competent in the entire arc. Yes, she is able, Asuna, in the meantime, as Kirito and his sister have been having drama... 
Asuna has been able to get out of the birdcage because she looked in the mirror as the code was being put in and that reflection wasn't encrypted like the code. Don't worry, it's confusing and nonsense. Don't worry about it. So she's able to briefly get out and she then finds a storage of all the different trapped brains, the 300 that are still in their comas. Yes, yes, and she finds it to be horrible and shocking seeing the proof of what uh, Sugo was doing. Uh, but her goal was to log out and tell everybody. That's her primary goal. She finds a console and she runs to it. She activates it and starts to process of logging herself out. And then the logout option pops up, and this bitch is like an inch away from pressing logout. She just needs to extend her little index finger. That's all this girl needs to do, but does she do it? No, because then two giant neon pink slug monsters who aren't monsters but are actual people from what I sort of gathered. Yeah, they are the scientists working on this under Sugo, trying to do the experiments in-game, and uh, for some reason they're giant slug tentacle monsters. If you want to know why they're slug tentacle monsters, it's the exact reason you're thinking they would have a slug tentacle monster in this world for no reason. Oh, you mean it's the reason that they gave in a sentence saying they were practicing a, a sensory mapping experiment? Oh, no, 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 not that reason, Sean. I'm talking about when they try and rape Asuna. Oh, yeah, that part. Uh, so for those of you who are still fans of Sword Art Online, I'd love to see how you can explain why this is a good show from this point onwards, because it's just unnecessary. One of these slugs captures her as she's about to press the logout button, which literally a centimeter away, a centimeter away. All she had to do was just tap it. It'd be done. That'd be it. It'd be over. But no, she fails. She gets captured. She gets tied up and the slugs are like, oh, you better go tell the boss. So one of them leaves and then the other one immediately proceeds to do the tentacle action on her. Yep. Wraps all around her. It's really creepy, super rapey. It's looking really, really grim. She's trying to squirm out of it, but that just adds to the creep factor because, of course, that is the appeal for a lot of people who are into something. This was just fan service, but it was really fucked up fan service. Mm -hmm. And, of course, while this is going on, she has one moment of clarity, one moment of trying to find a solution to save herself. As soon as uh, one of those tentacles gets near her mouth, she bites down on it. The guy screams in pain because apparently he didn't dampen the pain sensors, which I don't know why he would do that because that is a plot device. Uh, starting now. Starting now. And he freaks out, lets go. The other guy logs back in and is like, hey, you weren't doing anything, were you? He's like, eh, not really, no. And while they were distracted talking to each other, Asuna does the one really competent thing she can think of, and that's grab the admin access code card that is attached to the console. Which, by the way, I don't know how she grabbed it. I guess with her feet, but because uh, her hands were tied up above yeah, her head. Yeah, it's it not really explained either. Don't worry about it. But cut to where we just left off from. So now she's hearing the warning signal from Yui. She thinks, what can I do? So she gets that card and she tosses it over. Yes, and coincidentally enough, and thankfully enough, this item falls at like 1.5% speed. Like it's much slower fall than any other item has a right to, to especially at that distance. 
and falls right in front of Kirito, and he just happens to extend his hand and catch it and be like, this is from Asuna. And so then he feels more inspired than ever. He decides that he's going to go in, and Leafa's like, oh, no, don't go in. He's like, I'm going in. So he goes in. For Asuna. For Asuna. The big <laughs> reveal, blah, 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 blah. Sister, brother, drama, come back, come back, 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 back. He fails. We're back here. A little out of order, but that's fine because this whole plot doesn't matter and it's always out of order. All uh, that matters is Kirito, so everything we've told you is basically filler. Yep, and after the big dramatic moment, which uh, takes about ten minutes of an episode, which I skipped over because mm. it wasn't important, they meet back up in the game and Leafa challenges him to a duel. And then they don't really duel. No, they swing their swords a couple times, then they hug, and then they make up, which I, I guess is fine. Cool. Uh, and then they tr decide to try again with uh, with Leafa at his side, as well as Recon. Oh, Recon. We didn't mention Recon, did we? Yeah, we have not mentioned Recon even a single time. Do you know why we have not mentioned Recon a single time? Because he doesn't really contribute anything? At all? Not at all. For JoJo fans, he's Poco. <laughs> <laughs> he is... Leafa's friend, who is a bit of a weenie and is a weenie the whole time, and Leafa beats the shit out of him all the time because Sundares and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he's there and he's helping her. He is there for literally one moment, and that's when they all get there, he chow suits himself. Yeah, no, he pulls a straight chow tzu, he fights for a second, he heals Kirito, and then he runs up and he blows himself up to no avail. It's a literal chow tzu moment. <laughs> and it doesn't mean anything, there's no point! He doesn't belong, and it's not like it's even a great sacrifice because he's going to respond. They say that is harsher penalties, so maybe you will feel bad, but you don't because they don't explain what those harsher penalties are. He's still going to respond. It's going to be okay. Oh no, he lost a bit more gold. And then things are looking a bit rough, but don't worry. The Katesifs are back, and they have dragoons. Yeah, it's just straight up dragon riders. Which wasn't brought up at all before, and they're just blowing fire everywhere. And the sylphs come, and they're helping out too. So all of them are now working out, and it's still not quite enough until Leafa gives Kirito her sword one more time. And he doesn't just dual-wield these. He combines the two swords together and then uses this super sword magic to drill through these hundreds and hundreds of enemies in a way that don't worry about explaining it. It's just supposed to be neat. And he makes it through. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But it's magic, Remington. It's fine. Oh, it's magic. Yay, it's magic. Yeah. And so then he gets there, and he ends up using the key card to get past things, and then he sees Asuna. There she is. They reunite together. And, you know, it's a big, heavy, emotional moment. Uh, Yui goes into her human form, which, by the way, Yui this whole time was a pixie. Which is just weird. weird. So, in a game of fairies, pixies are apparently just really small fairies. Yeah, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, they break open the door. They go in. They have a bit of an emotional moment, uh, which I skipped over. Nah. Yeah, not that important. Uh, and then, here we are. We're near the end of the season. We're in the final episode. We are reaching the big climax of the entire story. The big bad himself, Sugo, comes out. And he uses 
gravity magic, which we haven't seen, but that's because it'll be introduced in the next patch. <laughs> and it might be a little overpowered, which, by the way, everything in that ga fucking anime is overpowered. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just real silly and stupid. And then he ends up chaining up Asuna in a nice BDSM-like fashion. And then he stabs Kirito, but not enough to kill him. You see, he likes to play with his food a bit. It's almost like he's a bad character. I have ranted on this topic at least half a dozen times. I'll say it again, I'll say it. I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The only character who can successfully make the excuse that they're playing with their food is like the Joker, and that's it. Otherwise, if you are trying to argue Hmm, they're just keeping the protagonist alive because they want them to see something or they want to play with them or they want them to be in pain. You just don't have a sufficient reason for the protagonist to live, so you're making excuses and it's convoluted and it's real dumb, but don't worry, it'll get more convoluted and dumb. And then we get into another very uncomfortable part. Yeah, uh, if you thought the tentacle thing was bad, this is much, much worse. Uh, because all of his, all of Sugo's reservations of holding back on doing anything super uncultured and uncouth to Asuna, which he never had a good reason for not doing that, as horrible as it is to say, he just decides to throw them to the wind and do them in front of Kirito to torture him more and whatnot, uh, disabling part of Kirito's pain threshold so the sword through his body hurts like hell. You know, things like but that. But not all the way, just down from 10 to 8. Which I imagine hurts a lot. It's a sword through you, but yeah, it's not as bad. And then he proceeds to literally tear off Asuna's clothes and begin the process of bad stuff. Bad news bears, I'd call that. Yeah, and it's really tactless and really uncomfortable, but fortunate for Kirito. He's a protagonist, so if you're ready for a deus ex machina, here we go! Uh, don't you mean deus ex Kayaba? Ah, uh, it's funny because it's stupid as shit. Kirito has another ghost in the shell moment. Uh, that's an anime we'll have to talk about later. Um, where he is talking to the leftover consciousness of Kayaba Akihiko in some kind of weird suspended time state. And Kayaba is essentially like, hey, bro, here's my password. Yeah. And that's, like, it? Yeah, and the big climax is, uh, since this was written on top of Sword Art's servers, Kayaba's access code is still there. He uses it to unbind himself, turn off the gravity, turn the p pain threshold completely off so it's, like, actual feeling and then decides to fight uh, Sugo after demoting him to uh, just a normal player status. And not just fight Sugo, but torture Sugo quite, quite brutally, because it gets back to that power fantasy. It's not enough to rescue the girl. It's not enough to win. You have to assert your dominance. You have to torture. You have to inflict pain to its maximal degree repeatedly, Everything about this scene, from the rapiness to the tortureness, made me uncomfortable because I don't think it was handled well, and I definitely don't think any of it was necessary for this show. Yeah, it's kind of the lawful good fallacy. 
the lawful good fallacy is what it sounds like. The idea of not wanting to kill anybody because it's wrong to kill people. You know, so you're willing to do whatever it takes to defeat somebody but not kill them. And though this is a video game, and he does technically kill him in the video game, he also does it in the most uh, slow, painful, and convoluted way that's just borderline evil in a lot of ways. Which, I mean, fair, you're, you're, the love of your life is being assaulted in front of you. What else are you going to do? But uh, at this point, it's hard to care. At that point, any decision it made was going to be the bad one because it had written itself into a hole because it has terrible writing. After that, they are able to log Asuna out and save Asuna, and then they all log out. Sugue and Tsugua and Kirito talk a little bit, and she's like, you should go see Asuna. And he's like, I'm gonna go see Asuna. So he goes to see Asuna, but then, wait, Sean, you thought it was over, but it ain't over just yet. Out of the shadows on this snowy winter's eve, is Sugo. Sugo comes out and slashes Kirito with a combat knife, causing real blood, the first real blood we've seen in this show, to just splatter across the floor, coat his arm, and he is in bad straits. As Sugo is in so much pain, he still feels the pain from being, uh, you know, uh, disarmed, as it were, bisected yeah. and stabbed through the head. And then... Sugo, he gets on top of Kirito. He has this knife. Kirito is hurt, and he, Sugo goes to stab down his knife, and it doesn't look like anything can stop him. And Sean, nothing stops him with that knife. He hits the ground. Yes, because the pain was so great, his vision is blurred in his right eye, so he misjudged the depth. So he just missed for no reason. And so he winds up again, and he goes to stab again. But this time, Kirito is in Kirito mode. So Kirito catches it. He's able to overpower it. Oh, and now that boy is in trouble. Kirito gets a hold of the knife. He gets ready to slash this man's throat. Even makes it bleed a little. But Kirito's the good guy. So he doesn't do it. And he proceeds to piss himself and pass out. You didn't catch that, but right after uh, digging in, a bunch of steam rises from the front of him, and that's him pissing himself. Oh my god, I totally missed that. This fucking show. Yep, and uh, he passes out in there, and then immediately goes up to Asuna's hospital room, which nobody in the hospital notices him that he's bleeding immensely from a giant cut in his arm, but that's fine. Don't worry about it. And he has a touching reunion with the love of his life, and uh, then it gets into epilogue territory. Yeah, and the epilogue is pretty meaningless. You just see a good old who's who of everyone you've seen so far this season. And they all meet back together, and then they all go on an adventure in this Alfheim Online. And in Alfheim Online, amazingly, they introduced Sword Art Online back into it. And they're all going to band together, and they're going to go into it. Meanwhile, Kirito also has a World Seed. And the World Seed is essentially the code from Sword Art Online that anybody can use. It's as if it's just open source, and they can create their own worlds, and they can link up with other worlds. And I'm sure that isn't just going to be a cash grab for future seasons and that's basically it don't worry remington it's only going to be mentioned in the second season oh yeah the third season doesn't mention it at all oh, i hate how there's 
three seasons of this. And they're both dissected into two arcs. How? Well, the second season is. We don't know if the third one is. It doesn't seem like it's going that direction because Remington and I am watching the third season. Did any of them seem like they were going that direction? The first season seemed like it should be over after episode 14. Now it feels like the show should be over after episode 25. But no, it'll keep going and then it'll keep going and then it'll keep going. Sword Art Online is a terrible show, but you fucking weebs keep eating it up. <laughs> it's not just us as weebs. It's a lot of people over in Japan. It's a lot of people over here. It's a lot of different people that seem to really enjoy the power fantasy of the show. But for some reason, even after so many people realize it is trashy, it is horrible, it has a lot of flaws and no character... Not only does it have two seasons, it also has two movies, Remington. Good God. Yeah. And the most recent season is seeming kind of promising. Kind of. It's better than part two of season one in some ways, but it's... And you want to know what the reason is for that, Remington? What? Because Kirito isn't as much of the main focus. Oh, thank God. No, don't get me wrong. He's still in every episode. Oh, fuck me. But there are other main characters now. So here's my final thoughts. On Sword Art Online? Yes. Okay, I can take it. I'm emotionally prepared for this. On the positive, it has some nice background. On the negative, it has atrocious world building, it's terrible sci-fi, with terrible personalities and terrible relationships, it has terrible pseudo-game design, in a world with terrible sociology, characters with terrible motivations, the world has no originality, no novelty, no interesting ideas, there are no stakes in this world, there's no nuance or gray area, and there are no well-established rules, and when there are rules, they're whatever they want them to be whenever it's convenient and they are free to go beyond it at any given point. Watching this was a treacherous slog from the implied wanting to fuck your sister to the terrible rape themes within it to none of the world making any sense to there being no lives outside of what is being shown on the screen. This was an atrocious experience and to anyone who watched the entire first season of Sword Art Online and thought to themselves, what a show, what an experience, how enjoyable, how interesting, what a piece of art. Please, dear God, send us an email and explain it to me because I do not understand. I would also like to see that email. But Remington, there is one thing Sword Art Online does have. A Christmas episode. And that it does, Sean. Merry Christmas to all. <laughs> and that is, unfortunately for you, our Christmas special, Remington. It had some really good holiday themes at the beginning, but then it became a very much a Grinch fest. How would you rate your Christmas special overall? I would rate my Christmas special uh, approximately... Zero Grinches out of ten. Hmm. That's better than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> and Merry Christmas to all of you guys. This is probably going to come out after Christmas, but who cares? Really? Like, come on. It's, it'll still be December, right? Right? I'm not getting that wrong. Uh, no, you are, you are not, Sean. This will be our last 
episode of 2018 and we just want to thank you all so much for all of the tremendous support you guys have given us throughout our first calendar year we started early 2018 and as we end this year we have truly grown not only with our quality and what we are hoping to continue to improve but also with our audience and with our interactions with you guys and with each email you guys give us it truly makes our day. We love receiving your guys' feedback, and it really helps us become a better show. So even though every single week I hurt myself and I take my heart and it gets stabbed by Sean, it is a worthwhile experience for me, and that is almost entirely because of each of you sending your feedback, even the ones who have left so many nice words through reviews and emails. It means so much. It really does. It warms my heart with every recommendation email I read. Uh, Remington never reads the recommendation parts themselves, but he does read everything else. So you don't have to worry about any spoilers for him trying to figure out what anime are. I cover all that, and I gotta be honest with you guys. You send more positively reviewed anime than you do horribly reviewed anime. You send so many things that you want Remington to enjoy to have a good time with, and just appreciate, because you really want him to enjoy anime as much as the rest of us do, and I appreciate that. Which is not to say that there's not a vocal minority who send in emails specifically with recommendations to hurt me, but it's really nice that you guys are trying not to murder me. It is true, and even those of you who are sending torture recommendations as they were, we still appreciate you too, or at the very least I do, because I read that email and I think to myself, Monster Musume? <gasps> that would kill him. <laughs> Let's it, find out what happens. It damn nearly did. This is going to be a bit of a longer episode, but that is our treat to you guys. If you have any ideas whatsoever on how we can become a better show for 2019, how we can improve and go beyond what we have, or if you have any more recommendations, then you can send them over on to animeoutofcontext at gmail.com. Once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, and we're also trying to learn Twitter, guys. It's a hard process. Send it... your Twitter tips as well. Yes, we need those desperately. And if you want to follow us on that, it's at AnimeConPod, which, honestly, that's the best uh, Twitter handle I could think of. I don't know if it's a good one, but it's the best <laughs> one I could think of. And it's the one we're sticking with. Perfect. And, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And... For the third time, Merry Christmas, and don't fuck your sister. <laughs> <laughs>